I'm so delighted to be partnering with Laird Superfood for this week's podcast. Now, if you know anything about me, you know that I love coffee. I absolutely love it. One thing I don't really like doing is adding creamer to it because it's kind of oily and chemically and gross. You know, I do experiment from time to time with putting different nut milks in my coffee, but when I want something really special, I reach for Laird Superfood because they have delicious creamers that you can add in, like the sweet and creamy and the mocha. Mm, so delightful. They even have coffee. So if you just need some good coffee, boom, you can get that in with functional mushrooms. It's so good. All this stuff is 100% all natural, contains no artificial flavors, colors, or additives, and there's no sugar from highly refined corn syrup. What more could you ask for? When you're ready, go check out Layered Superfoods because they don't have coffee, creamers, they got drink blends, supplements, snack foods, and no matter what you're looking for, they have it. They have paleo, vegan, keto, dairy-free, gluten-free, and so much more. So are you ready to feel more energized, focused, and supported? Go to LairdSuperfood.com and add nourishing plant-based foods to fuel you from sunrise to sunset. Use our exclusive promo code, MergeConflict, that's MergeConflict, one word, at checkout for an exclusive 15% off of your purchase today. LairdSuperfood.com, promo code MergeConflict, 15% off your purchase, and thanks to Laird Superfood for sponsoring this week's pod. Welcome back, everyone, to another action-packed Merge Conflict here. I'm James Montemagno. With me, as always, my one and only true soul partner besides my amazing wife, who's my number number one. So really, Frank's number, I mean, it breaches the top 10, the one and only Frank Kruger. How's it going, buddy? Hello, James. And I, I just put you as the number one person I talk to the most. So that I don't know what that makes us. You're my number one talking buddy. So th- there like we that. are. Yeah, I like that. And if you are new to the podcast, this is a podcast where we talk about technology.net, mobile development, iOS, Android things, home improvement, a little bit of everything. Uh, over here, we've been doing this for 585 billion episodes, and we are back this week to talk about one thing that everybody has been talking about because Frank has had so much hands-on experience, which, which is Vision OS. Frank, tell us about how much hands-on experience you've had because Apple dropped the Xcode beta, Vision OS is out, everyone's talking shop about it. It's the cat's meow. In fact, it is your cat's meow. Tell us, how long did it take you to port iCircuit 3D to Vision OS? Wow, James, you you really overestimate me and it, it just makes me feel so good. I just, you 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 have this model of me in your head that is perfect and keeps up with the betas i i I haven't kept up with the betas james i i don't have the vision os i'm still trying to learn reality kit i i you know i i i I love seeing kit and i've been ignoring reality kit for the last x amount of years and now here's vision os baby and you got to get your reality stuff going on and i see i see the demos on twitter and they're all like Unity, though, so it's not like people are really writing apps. But thanks for the setup. No, Burned. I thank you. <laughs> well, that actually is the topic of tonight's. Little did you know that I actually did have a topic tonight because I did get a recent uh, message on Twitter that I thought would be good to talk about tonight, which was someone asked me and they said, hey, I want to create a 3D application. Now, this could be for Vision OS. This could be for uh, iOS. It could be for iPad. It could be for anything. And they said, I want to create a 3D application with .NET MAUI. I want to use ARKit. 
is there something that lets me do that? Or do I have to go use Unity? Which is funny because it's what you're kind of talking about with Vision OS. And my response was unique, but I kind of wanted to talk about that. I want to talk about we're moving into an era of 3D development, you know, and traditionally we're talking about 2D development with mobile apps. But truly with Vision OS, we're talking about this 3D space. And now this may not be new to some people, but to us, this is a newer space and you've been doing it with iCircuit 3D. But I wanted to talk about that, what it actually looks like as either just an iOS developer or maybe a .NET developer. What does it look like? And there's no better person to talk about that than the one and only Frank Krueger because you've built and shipped a 3D application onto the App Store, at least one, if not many, <laughs> prototyped throughout the years. Am I not correct? My very first iOS application used OpenGL to render its complete UI, and it was a 3D UI. Yeah, I, I didn't take huge advantage of it, but that was a 3D renderer doing everything, my very first app. So thanks. That was such a lovely invitation, James. Lovely. Yeah, let's talk about this because there's options. And you know what? There's also this giant bucket of guilt that I have because... I believe you can quote me somewhere around three or four years ago, talking with some .NET people and saying something like, you know, I should really write a cross-platform renderer for Maui. We could really use one <laughs> yeah. of those. It won't take that much work. No. You know, I know rendering APIs, they're not, they're not, they get big, but they're not that complicated. And I never did it, James. I never did it. Um, what is the state of cross-platform rendering libraries for Maui? Not great, to be thoroughly honest. Um, there is OpenGL. <laughs> you can write some OpenGL stuff and write some very thin wrappers over some libraries, but gosh, you're going to have... It, it, it's not pretty. Uh, it's, it's a low-level API, and there's... I don't know if there's anything out of the box. I keep hesitating a little bit, so I don't think there's anything out of the box to put a GL renderer in an app. Um, but... That's kind of 1990s in the year 2000s there. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the difference and what we expect out of modern renderers and why Unity is awesome. <laughs> well, I think that I think that's the difference, right? Is that there's a few levels that you need to think about as a developer that wants to build 3D things, right? There is, am I building for a specific platform or am I building for multiple platforms, right? And those are two different things. And my response to this individual was like, hey, AR kit, reality kit, scene kit, it's there. It's in C sharp. Mm -hmm. Just if you want to access those APIs, go for it. All right, Swift, either way, you know what I mean? Like they're both available as the core APIs. Like, are you thinking that you want to build a 3D app that runs on every single platform under the sun? We'll talk about that later in the podcast, but let's actually start talk about I want to build a 3D application just for iOS because Vision OS is coming out. You just did this mm -hmm. with iCircuit 3D. What should I do, right? Yeah. And my fundamental core belief of why I've chosen .NET forever and Xamarin forever and now .NET MAUI forever is like the core understanding that these underlying APIs are available for me to use if I want to, right? If I am building just an iOS application that's going to be absolutely spectacular, then I probably want to take advantage of everything that that operating system has to offer, right? It's a balance every single time I'm building an app. Is it cross-platform? Is it two? Is it two? Is it one? Is it four? 
I'm going to make different considerations based on that. And I see a lot of times people are like, I want to build a great desktop app and a great mobile app. And I want to create this. You're going to be making sacrifices along the way. The frameworks, no matter what frameworks out there, whether it's Flutter, React Native, .NET Maui, whatever, Cordova, whatever it is, they make, they make, um, um, they have to make things that are at a certain level, right? The abstraction level can only offer so much at the core level, right? So let's just talk about, hey, Frank, I want to build a 3D iOS application. Where do I begin? What do I do? What's available to me? As a .NET or a Swift developer, right? What's available? Yeah, what should I yeah. use? Thinking of Vision OS. Well, okay. So uh, we we are at basically one level of abstraction. So we, we don't write the OpenGL commands anymore. All our cool hacker skills are kind of gone and out the door. Uh, the new libraries are a bit more high level than that. So it, it's funny you were mentioning the cross-platform thing too, because iCircuit 3D was written as an iOS and Mac app only because I wanted to run it on the Mac. It was very painful. This was before Mac Catalyst. Even mm. between those two platforms, it was very painful supporting those two platforms. Even today, I kind of want to switch it back to being or to being just a Mac Catalyst app because the 3D is tricky and getting it to run cross-platform is very tricky. And so my decision with all that was to not barely try and boy i i take that back because i put a ton of effort into getting mac to work but like getting it onto android or windows haven't even tried um so you nowadays we we do have a good level of abstraction libraries that's my side story aside let's get back to the libraries scene kit yeah. and reality kit scene kit's been around for a while now um i still think it's a wonderful api and it's the api you use if you use ar kit so if you're talking ARKit, you're talking SceneKit. If you're talking SceneKit, you might as well be talking ARKit because it's pretty easy to take your SceneKit app and turn it into an ARKit app. Um, that's for the rendering side of like putting some objects into a space. So you start with a scene usually, <laughs> which is just kind of a generic world where you can put objects into it. Objects are re represented by 3D objects. So you're going to have to go scrounging around on the internet to go find some 3D objects, Turbo Squid, find some sites where you can actually buy content and things and you can start downloading models. You look around, they're, they're out there. And you just kind of put them into your app and you create a scene and you add these objects to a scene and bloop, they actually pretty easily, thanks to the high-level APIs, they usually do appear. Um, if you write an ARKit app and just put an object into the scene, start up the ARKit app, the object might start out exactly where you are, so you might have to back off a little bit, move, move around a little bit to find uh, the object, but it'll appear there. Uh, Reality Kit is very similar. Um, I, I swear, I'm still learning the API myself because I think it is the API they want you using in the future, but it, the fundamentals are still there. There's a world or a scene and you add objects to it. The, those are the primitives of creating a UI. Yeah. I mean, that makes complete sense to me. And, you know, if anyone's done any 3d, I took a 3d modeling class in college, we were using mm -hmm. Maya, Maya, I want to say. That sounds That's a nice correct. one. That's we a built high a high quality one. We built a kettle 
and we illuminated it with a light source and shadows off of the kettle, the tea kettle. It's very classic, right? You do the meshes and things. That's what I, I did, right? So that was my first introduction into 3D was like creating the actual model that you'd put into these. But yeah. those sort of principles still apply, right? Like you're saying, you plop this model in, you also need to have a camera and a light source that is sort of uh, illuminating and pointing at the scene that is there. Well, you you bring up lighting and it's a great topic because it's actually kind of interesting and important. Um, when you're creating AR content, if you're not doing a VR thing where you're trying to fully immerse someone into that world, if you're doing augmented reality or mixed reality, whatever you want to call it, an overlay onto the real world, it's kind of neat how rendering works in that these devices use cameras to put the lighting onto the objects themselves mm. so you don't have to put artificial lights into the scene you can if you want if you want to like make something glow or if you want to accent something by having put a spotlight on it or something but it's kind of fun when you're doing ar content that you want to get um what are called um pbr 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 physically based renderer um 3D content, which is just the newest, hottest way to specify how <laughs> texturing should be done on objects. And it just really picks up the light nicely if you get these PBR objects into your scene. And scarily so, because it turns out um, Apple plays a lot of little tricks. So they use like the lighting from the, the world to illuminate your objects, but they also put a little filter over your object that adds the same kind of noise that the camera is picking up so your object blends into the scene a little bit better mm. but the lights are so interesting because because like i circuit 3d is not an augmented reality app i spent a lot of time in that app setting up the lighting environment and i play a lot of lighting tricks in that app because i have global lights i have leds illuminate i have a spotlight that follows the users they move around in the thing and it's funny like that's a lot of effort setting up your lighting environment and if you're doing an ar vr ar thing mixed mr thing i don't what is mr ar thing you don't mix do lights yeah. which is awesome yeah <laughs> yeah no i think i think that makes a lot of sense yeah so yeah mixed reality AR is like putting, what is the difference? The AR and MR are, are similar. Mixed reality is like mixed, <laughs> augmented and virtual together oh, wow. MR. That's the HoloLens. That, that's the only thing I can think of is the HoloLens is like MR. Because like maps your space and puts things in the physical space on top of it, where augmented reality is like more camera I don't know. Anyways, I, yes. Yeah. I for, for our discussion, let's just say AR and VR. VR is fully immersive. AR is bringing in the real world. We'll, we'll just stick yeah. to those terms. And I think if you're building these types of applications, like on iOS and Android and Windows, like there are specific things for this that make it so you can use these APIs directly into anything, right? When you're crafting a single experience, right? Yeah. And that that's the route I've gone to, you know, I think of it as the traditional Xamarin route, you know, which was the traditional way back in the day when I got started was here's a bunch of shared logic. It's 80, 70% of my application and the UI layer is mm -hmm. different. I have different UI layers and I'm, and in this case, it's a 3d augmented reality thing that I'm, I'm creating. And the rest of my logic is the same, right? I'm pulling down things. I'm entering things into a database. I'm 
you know, pulling down mm-hmm. the model, like that stuff's the same, right? The file access, whatever it is, I'm, I'm accessing those things. And those are all available, right? So when we think about it, it's like, oh, okay, that's cool. Should I use .NET MAUI for that? Should I just build an iOS app or just an Android app, you know, with mm-hmm. .NET or without .NET? Like those are options that you have available to you that I think are important to remember, right? Everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people come to me and I'm into the ethos, like everything has to be cross-platform. Well, it's like everything doesn't have to be cross-platform. It's based on what you're building at the end of the day. Like, yeah. I think that if you're building iCircuit 3D, Frank Krueger, you probably would like, man, this would be amazing if it worked spectacularly with one single API across every single platform there, mm-hmm. right? And there are those things that exist to let you do that, right? But are you going to have to go learn something new? Or are you going to like actually deep dive into the APIs that you know and love already on, on iOS and Mac? Like, What's the target audience that you have? Yeah. And that's different for everyone. So every app's different, right? And I have apps that I ship just on desktop. I have ones that I ship just on mobile and I have ones that ship everywhere. Right. So I think that's the consideration I make going into this new world that it's like, if I'm building a, a VR experience, I'm building like a VR experience for that thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm going to build an experience for vision OS. I should use the vision OS APIs. I think, am I wrong? I don't know. Well, it, it does come down to the one thing I, I've been talking about rendering because rendering is always the most fun of 3D. But the other huge thing is interaction. Mm. And how how are you going to handle that? Um, our, our, <laughs> whenever we always talk about, do you want to write a native UI layer UI or do you want to use a cross-platform one? A lot of the argument often boils down to is, do you want to use the native controls? Do you mm. want like the text box to be the iOS text box or do you want it to be your own custom text box? And in the case of these early days of vision, Apple has a lot of built-in text boxes <laughs> for lack of a better <laughs> yeah. word. I don't mean actual text box, but actually sometimes literally I do mean text box. But you can replicate those. You can take uh, an engine like SceneKit or ARKit or Unity and make a text box. <laughs> Please understand it's a metaphor here. I'm not actually talking about text box. Um, you can make one, but it's going to be slightly different. It's going to use a little different font. It's going to the interaction model, the way a, a person touches it, the way um, maybe voice annotation in this case would work. Um, those are going to work differently. And so for these early days, uh, Game engines are great because they're so powerful and they're interactive and you can build anything with them, but they're not great for everyone consolidating to UI paradigms. <laughs> there, there's no human interface guidelines for video games. And so an engine like Unity doesn't enforce anything like a HIG. Whereas if you build something out of Reality Kit or not AR Kit so much, because at the abstraction level, it is a little bit lower down there it's it's Mm. um it's it's this general purpose scene world where you can put general purpose objects that's that's more like the unity world Mm. um with vision os and what they're doing with swift ui and things like that you can take advantage of the built-in um box text boxes (laughs) for lack of a better example button (laughs) would be a better example perhaps everyone loves a good button that you can click on well let's talk about those things because you know i think traditionally I've always thought about 
three anything cross-platform 3D as game engines, right? Because the cool thing about a game, I used to be a game developer, <laughs> is that game engines are the most independent of things anyways. They don't care about the window. They don't care about <laughs> navigation. They don't care about anything because they control the entire stack, right? So when I think of Unity, Monogame, Godot, Stride, EverEngine, CryEngine, Unengine, <laughs> right? Like there's all these things. Like when you go to the .NET website, you tap on games and it's all of these th game engines, right? It says create your games and more using cross-platform game engines. And like, really are these things game engines or are they just 3D rendering engines that enable you to build games <laughs> or other things, right? Like, you know, yeah. I think Unity in more recent years, like how I've seen them pivot their marketing and their website like it's less, it's not a hundred percent about games. It's about 2d and 3d anything, right? So it could be simulations. It could be apps. It could be a uh, healthcare. It could be, it could be games, right? It could be any of these things. That's what's available to you as a developer. And I've always thought myself as a C sharp developer or .NET developer, all of these tools are in my toolkit, right? So I have these uh, things available to me based on my needs. So kind of what you're saying, Frank, is that Hey, these things are rendering engines, which means that they are going to have some differences compared to trade-offs, if you will, to comparing to writing against the core OS and the core APIs. Is that correct? Yeah, because um, it feels like there's going to be many ways to be an app on vision. So first easiest way, all our iOS apps are just going to get projected up into the 3D world. Yippee. Yes, I'm, I'm a vision OS developer. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> what could go wrong? I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait to see the BPMs up on there. It's going to be awesome. Um, or no, yeah. My, okay. Anyway, I can't wait for your apps to be on there. But then there is also a 2D-ish world you can be in where you have... Use, you're still using, for, for to reuse my terrible metaphor from before, you're using their text boxes to create a, a basically 2D world that you can orient around and move around inside yeah. a 3D space. Um, you're you're still kind of straining yourself roughly to a 2D world, but it's nice. It's a comfortable place to be writing apps. And honestly, I hope that that world evolves a bit more to be um, that neomorphic design that uh, all the kids have been using three years ago. I still kind of mm -hmm. love fits beautifully into AR. So I, I hope like that somewhat 2D world, but using their new toolkit for building apps uh, to use their controls and all that kind of stuff, you can be that. Or you can become a 3D world where you just start putting 3D objects into the world, at which place you can um, just be adding to the environment or you can take over their environment. And I think it's going to be, I hope that there's going to be a lot of apps um, that are little 3D objects that integrate into the world and we could run multiple apps at the same time and have like a virtual goat that lives with me and maybe answers math questions. My, I call it math goat. And then maybe there's a little virtual parakeet and it just quotes Shakespeare all the day and I just call him Shakespeare bird. So I, I hope I can get those apps and run all of them simultaneously. I think it'll be a little bit sad if they go, if all the apps are video games and VR and they do the immersive thing. So yeah, we are talking about technology differences, but there's also just the app experiences difference that you can 
uh, enter with with these things. Yeah, and I think that if you are going towards that experience of I want a full 3D thing that runs everywhere and does the stuff, it could be a game, right? But it could be something that is an AR or VR experience. And like engines like Unity give you that opportunity, right? Now, like you're saying, there's going to be trade-offs there. And I don't know every single trade-off of Unity versus doing AR kit, but like Unity is a pretty full-fledged like engine that can kind of, it's pretty battle-tested at this point, right? And <laughs> you use C sharp to write all your scripts and this other stuff. And like, once you enter the 3d world, you know, to me, it's a, it's a paradigm shift, right? I think with iCircuit 3d, I'm assuming if I looked at the code, it's a lot of like code, 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 and not a lot of like, um, so there's probably no visual editor, right? I feel like with unity, a lot of people are like, I have this visual editor and I have this other stuff and it doesn't feel as much as like I'm in visual studio or I'm in Xcode or I'm in Android studio. I'm more in this visual editor thing. That's making my thing. And I have to learn a whole new program to code. So that's probably where I see the, the hindrance of getting into it. However, if you do look at some of the other game engines, they're going to be more code first game engines, right? That are out there. And those game engines could specifically be for just making 3d applications. And those applications, to your point, are basically still windowed, right? When I think of a game, it's like it is fully windowed, but it's like it's <laughs> fully windowed. And the game experience is like a game experience where I'm doing input to do a thing. The app experience is like I'm interacting with it with a different way. So I do think that these game engines or 3D engines, if you will, will still give you the availability to do that. It's just like using, using Skia Sharp, right? Like. The difference is, is it a single view or is it the entire app? And many of these engines want to be the entire app, right? Yeah. So that's something to kind of think about in general. But if you are building this experience, when I look at iCircuit 3D, there's nothing to stop you that you could have used Unity to build all that. Like you would just yeah. draw the folders and the things like you could have. You That's the thing is like, I think you could have used Unity, right? There's nothing stopping you from have doing that. Correct. And there were times, many times, where I thought maybe I really should have because it is it is a bit of effort maintaining the engine. I am using SceneKit. It's a good engine, It's but it's not nearly as battle-tested as you said. It's a good choice of words because SceneKit works well, but I have a million ways I can trip up SceneKit. I can... I can invalidate that scene graph and it'll not recover. It'll even take down the OS from time to time <laughs> because I did it. And I did, I, I wrote very multi-threading heavy code too, because I'm me. And so it was very easy to destroy it. And there were many days deep in stack traces where I'm like, maybe I should just take this whole endeavor because honestly, it was a lot of C-sharp code. I could have taken all that C-sharp code, renamed C node to be whatever unity entity or whatever it should be and whatever maybe after a week get it up and running um yep um why i didn't i don't know decisions who cares but it definitely could have so it is fun they, these are game engines but they are very much app engines and i'm actually surprised more people don't write apps in them i think it's just because the web took over and it just you couldn't it, the web became a better place to release big broadcast kind of apps and things like that. And if you're going to write a native app, you might as well write a native feeling app, not use a game engine, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it is funny to think like 
even all the 3D game, even all the 3D games have menu systems, 2D menu systems, 2D heads up displays and things like that. So these engines support 2D mixed environments very well. They have to in, in order to support any kind of video game. And I'm curious <laughs> how those systems will integrate with like Apple's basically heads up displays and menu systems because it's going to be menu system on menu system fights. And I'm curious to see how they resolve. Yeah. I have to imagine that, and this is just an assumption, right? Is that these things are going to be optimized. Like, you know, when unity, maybe they've already done it, like at vision OS support support, right? They might say, Oh, you can like ship your iOS app. That's a unity based game. And then, or engine or app or whatever, and like push it over here. But like, Oh, click this button. The one cool part about Unity is like you just literally check a checkbox mm-hmm. and it's on another platform. Oh, do I want it on Nintendo Switch? Checkbox. Do I want it on PlayStation 5? <laughs> checkbox. It's, you know, the, but then it does optimizations under the hood. And I don't really know too much. Like, can you conditionally compile? Can you say, oh, if I'm Vision OS, can I do this stuff? I'm, I'm not that familiar. I'd have to ask JB about that, like, you know, when it goes down or someone from Unity specifically. But I want to like let people know, like, it's, that's not a bad decision to go down that route. It's going to be based on what you're building. If you're building 100% 3D like simulation, like, I don't know, maybe just use an engine. Like, that's okay. Like, that's, it's built on .NET. That's okay. You know, if, if I was to write a cross-platform UI and I wanted it to be pixel perfect across platforms, like, that was my goal, a video game engine is not the worst place <laughs> to start. Because, you know, it's, They've worked on Pixel Perfect. Their whole that, that is their raison d'être. <laughs> it will be perfect. And if you can, if you're not a text-heavy thing, or and you want to put a few rotating spheres with some glistening light sparkles off of it into your apps, why not? Why not write yeah. your app in a 3D engine? I mean, that's <laughs> that was what I did with iCircuit 3D. I'm just like, I don't know. Like I was, I was solving like the wire connection problem on a diagram. Because like there's ways to diagram circuits and there's a lot of opinions on how overlapping wires should be represented, if you should how much effort you should go through to make sure wires don't overlap. And I'm just like, it's such a 2D problem. What if I just broke out a 2D, went to 3D, and just made them real wires, and then they would <laughs> just be fine. Yeah. And it was liberating, honestly, taking what is circuits have always been a 2d representation we haven't bothered to give them a 3d representation and it was fun to just break out of that 2d world and do things in 3d i think i definitely took the hard path but um it's if you if you can convince your client or if or if you're just listening to this why not write your next app in 3d fun and it can ship on a normal 2d device too it's fine and, you know, funnily enough, you mentioned that is that many 2D games, for example, my buddy Ben, who is just coming out now with Bounty Star, his next game coming out next year, but he did Aztec previously, like it's a 2D beat em up. The entire game is in 3D, like the whole thing. <laughs> so when I remember when the Oculus was coming out and Unity added support for it as like a checkbox, he's like, yeah, I got a Unity version because like the game is it's 2D, but it's already in 3D. Right. So, yeah. Just that's how it is, because it gives you the depth. Right. And all of our apps, even my app, Frank, that puts a that puts a number on the screen. There is a (laughs) Z axis 
there. So if I want that number to come out at you, I could adjust that Z axis and it'd be super duper sweet. I'm just saying. Uh, that's wonderful. But imagine if, imagine if you could add all the sparkling effects and all that kind of stuff. Because I, I remember as a kid, my mind being blown when I realized that, or someone said that South Park was rendered in Maya, I believe. I believe mm. they use Maya. And if, I remember that it was all cartoon or cardboard cutouts in the early days. And they yeah. used Maya, a sophisticated 3D rendering engine, in order to render cardboard cutouts that are poorly animated. Yeah. But it made so much sense because it was just a powerful tool. And they could add tiny little effects. They could add the, the keyframe animation the way they wanted. And those are kind of the things that are provided in a game engine these days. So it was, it did start out with CAD and then it evolved into 3D artist. And then it just became game engine editors became the new kind of 3D art packages. I mean, you can always use Blender and things like that, but yeah. Uh, you're, you're going to have to author your assets somewhere, but it's just fun. It's just fun using a powerful, super ridiculously powerful rendering engine as overkill for an app UI. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I, I got for 3D. And I started my career in 3D with Shred Nebula and uh, then moved back to the 2D space. And I'm very fascinated to see what it looks like in this new world that is 2D, but could be 3D, but maybe 3D or 2D here and there. So I'm excited to see where this next step goes. Yeah, and actually, I want to I wanna have a part two to this episode after I've deep dove into the actual APIs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, pu- I'm putting pressure on future Frank, but I think this homework will be worth it because it'll be fun to compare and contrast, uh, given everything I just said after I actually do write a few little apps for... Vision OS and the new reality kit and all that to do a part two and yeah. see how I actually feel. And it'd be fun to compare and contrast like what you did today versus what considerations you're going to have to take going forward. So I'm excited about it because, you know, I was talking to a few people today actually about how great iCircuit 3D is. And we've talked about in the pod before for Vision OS. So I'm excited for you to be there at launch next year. And okay. this is your, I'm going to keep <laughs> you keep you to it, Frank. Okay. Uh it can happen. I, I I literally have an is AR variable in the app. It hasn't been switched in a very long time, but it could happen. Wow. All right. Well, I think that's gonna do it for this week's podcast. I want to remind everyone that you can find us everywhere on the internet, on Twitter at mergeconflict.fm. You can find us on I think there's a Facebook page. I don't know. You can find a visual representation of us. That's right. A 3D 2d video on youtube of us talking and communicating if you want to see our beautiful faces at youtube.com forward slash james montemagno that's me they're on my youtube there's a playlist there uh you can also become a patreon supporter they get bonus podcasts you want to hear more of these luxurious voices imagine an additional 10 to 20 minutes of this and frank in your eardrums every single week this week we talked about dishwashers so prepare yourself you can go to patreon.com forward slash merge conflict fm or just go to merge conflict fm you can find everything about the podcast there and uh check us out there's a bunch of other great links there so it's gonna do it for this week's podcast so until next time i'm james Watts magno and i'm frank krueger thanks for watching and listening peace, peace.